Welcome back to We Are Here, a Keystone Edge podcast starring Pennsylvanians making their mark. I'm your host, Lee Stabert. This series has been created in partnership with PA Humanities, an organization dedicated to building community and sparking change. We hope these conversations will do the same. You could call York, Pennsylvania a hidden gem. This historic city set amid the rolling hills and small towns of the county of the same name has a thriving arts community. From downtown galleries to a lively music scene to myriad performance opportunities, this is a place where creative people thrive. Speaking of creative people, when Gregory DeCandia took a job as artistic director of DreamWrites Center for Community Arts in York, he made it his mission to get to know his new hometown. His preferred avenue for exploration? People. Specifically collecting the stories of 100 locals and transforming those interviews into a play. It's just one example of how artistic energy can help a place tell its own story and boost the local community. To chat with us about the beating heart of York's creative scene, we're joined by DeCandia, as well as JJ Sheffer of En Route, a local organization dedicated to bringing people together through live performance and storytelling. Well, I'm excited to talk to both of you about York and about storytelling and about this community and the ways in which it is growing and changing and the role that the arts has to play in that. Um, JJ, why don't we start with you? Can you just tell me about York for people who aren't familiar with this community? Who are the people who live there? What is the built environment like? What is the community like? You know, if you were trying to give someone a little elevator pitch on York, what would you say? I actually do that often. So York County, um, we have a population of about 450,000. The city of York, which is the county seat, I think it's about 45,000 people. And all of my programs, you know, are really focused in the city, particularly in downtown York. The city is about five square miles. Downtown York is a much smaller footprint. As far as assets, there's really great history here. It's a very generous community. We have over 1,200 nonprofits. And then another thing we have going for us is geography. I run a concert series and I always say that York is right on the way to everywhere. Mm-hmm. We're, we're um, right in the thick of it for mid-Atlantic touring routes. So if you're on your way between, you know, Philly and Baltimore, D.C. area or Pittsburgh and Ohio or on to New York, chances are you're going to pass through York, Pennsylvania, old York. <laughs> Gregory, do you want to share sort of your back of the envelope York thoughts and maybe also share how you ended up in York? Uh, I'm not officially a Yorker. I've been told that it's at least 25 years you got to live here in order to be a Yorker. And the way that I found that out is I began here in June of 2021 at DreamWrite Center for Community Arts as their artistic director. And uh, there were two things that I felt imperative to be an artistic director of a center of community arts is a, I need to live in the community, and B, I got to know the community. So being someone that had only passed through York, had never really visited York prior to my interview coming here, I created a project called If You Knew York. So what I did was I bought an RV and parked it here in the parking lot outside of DreamWrites for the first six weeks as my family relocated from Philadelphia and uh, tried to find the perfect spot to live here within the city limits. And we were able to do so. But in the meantime, I said, I need to get to know the people. So I have a strong background in devising theater and documentary theater, which is basically theater that is derived from interviews, verbatim interviews. So I proceeded to interview 100 people that live, work, 
and play in York, York City and York County. And then did that not only here in our recording studio in the basement, but we also had mobile studios throughout town. We were at York College Market View Gallery. We were at Central Market. We were at Penn Market. We were at Bonnie B. Grimes Gym. We were at Ironic Coffee Shop all over town to basically find out what it means to be from York. And then also we wanted to, we rebranded in 2017 from the Youth and Family Theater to Center for Community Arts. And that's what we've really been trying to define over the past few years. We wanted to branch out past the performing arts. And York has an amazing visual arts and fine arts um, scene here with a ton of galleries and wonderful working artists. So we decided to add a mural component to it. We have 30,000 square feet of concrete canvas around our building right now that we're trying to muralize. And we did this with the If You New York project by engaging five different artists in town that all collaborated and used the interviews in the If You New York project to create their own expression outside of what we're trying to accomplish here at DreamRights. And they created a mural called The Rise of the Arts Phoenix. It's 30 feet tall by 36 feet wide in the back of our building. We actually did the dedication for that back in November, and we did a reading of If You New York. And then that will actually premiere in our mini Fringe Festival that's happening part of York's Arts Week in August of this year, the 19th through the 26th. Very cool. Who was interested in talking to you? And, and did that surprise you? Who was willing to stop and take a minute to tell you a story? Who was excited about it? And who was willing to kind of share a piece of themselves? Initially, it was a lot of community leaders, you know, people that really wanted to talk about York. You know, the news has a tendency to always glorify the negative, and um, these people wanted to celebrate the positives because there are many, many of those. But then also, we were getting a demographic that could come in the middle of the day down to Dream Rights and, you know, spend an hour or two talking with me. Mm -hmm. So that's when we devised the idea of the mobile studios, of going where the people were, to go to the markets, to go to the schools, to go to the places that people were actually there and didn't have to take time off. Off of work or time off of school or anything like that. I just made myself available in these public spaces. And that's what really gave us the widest demographic, both economically and also uh, diversity-wise across the city, which was something that always shocked me. I mean, I've lived in New York, I've lived in Philadelphia, I've lived in Oklahoma City, I've lived in Guatemala City. So I've lived in a lot of different places. And I was very um, surprised on paper, this looks like a very uh, a non-diverse community. But when you actually drive through it, it is far more diverse than you would expect in South Central Pennsylvania. And that's the beauty of the project. We ended up selecting 25 individuals to represent York in the If You New York project. And they are really from all walks of life, uh, as young as a senior graduating from York Academy, uh, all the way up to um, a woman in her 80s that has set up a Christmas display for the last like 70 years here in York. So it really creates, it creates a beautiful tapestry of, of truly what it means to be from York. JJ, can you tell me about Enroute York and how the work that you're doing intersects with this community building storytelling work that is going on at DreamRights? Enroute's mission is to give smart people an audience and a microphone. Uh, it's my own personal mission too. So Enroute is a portfolio of arts and humanities programs operating under the fiscal sponsorship of the York County Economic Alliance uh, and Downtown Inc., which is our main street organization here in our community. And we produce events that are meant to be these meaningful shared experiences to cultivate a sense of community, to actively 
uncover commonalities, promote understanding and tolerance, foster a sort of network of support for the people who participate. So the idea is, from the Economic Alliance standpoint, it's talent attraction and retention, right? So Mm -hmm. if you come to York for a job or you stay in York for a job, where will you find your people? How do you put down roots and make these connections? So we try to create these welcoming, safe spaces. We use storytelling as the primary vehicle to help people connect with others in their community. You know, then it incidentally contributes to quality of space, DEI initiatives, and as I said, talent attraction and retention. So we've we've hosted events at DreamRights utilizing their space. Gregory can tell you more about this, but they, they have a lot of options for, you know, where you can host events within their facility. Last year, I hosted a Pecha Kucha night in their main theater space. But yeah, same same kind of objective is, is to make everyone feel welcome and represent as many different voices and perspectives as we can. Yeah. I think it's interesting because we can talk about storytelling on many levels. You know, there's personal storytelling, but I think for a lot of Pennsylvania communities, there's this broader storytelling of like, we're here. We exist. You can have a creative life here. You can meet like-minded people here. And Please correct me if I'm wrong, but I do feel like York lives a little bit in Lancaster's shadow. And I think Lancaster has been really successful like over the last 30 years of making that argument that we are a creative community, we're an arts community and kind of building that brand. And that for a lot of places it exists there, but getting that story out can be a challenge. I don't want to say it's a misperception that we live in Lancaster's shadow. They're right across the river. Mm-hmm. They're a little bit bigger and a little bit further along with some of the kinds of initiatives that that maybe took a little longer to happen in York. But I view it as, you know, my neighborhood, my home community is York, Lancaster, and Harrisburg. And I actually, um, I run York Story Slam, which is an open mic storytelling event that's held monthly here in York. And last year, I also took over Lancaster Story Slam. So we are co-branded. Um, we have people going back and forth to attend both of those events and and share stories and connect in both communities. Part of the creative class being very visible in Lancaster is that Pennsylvania College of Art and Design is located there. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have younger art students and non-traditional students there. Um, but PCAT is now looking to have a presence within York and expand their footprint as well. So we have our own thing going and also things are, are progressing and, and more people are being brought into the fold. So historically, you know, we would joke about the rivalry and the War of the Roses and whatever, but <laughs> I really feel like it's one big community that's becoming more and more connected over time. Yeah. And the YMCA is actually bridged together too. So our York YMCA and the Lancaster YMCA have now become the YMCA of the roses. So there's a lot of, I think there's more of a collaboration than a conflict between the, the two cities. And there's, we routinely have people that are performing here at Dream Rights and then at the Fulton, or, or there's a wonderful theater scene, community theater scene in this whole region that we're, we're now starting to really create a, a very solid network between all the different theaters so that we're growing all together rather than individually. So a lot more inroads to be made, but again, I think it's more of a collaboration than a, than a, a contrast or, or conflict. I was not saying that there's a war between yeah, and I, can speak- I was not saying rivalry. I was just saying that, you know, from someone, we are. Who's, outside, <laughs> subject, from someone who's outside, you know, I think that like, I mean, speaking from like a branding perspective, you know, I think Lancaster has been really successful. I think York is getting there. And every time I talk to people about York, I'm just like, wow, so much great stuff going on. So, you know, I think, yeah. and both have really similar 
beautiful old buildings, beautiful infrastructure, cost of living advantages, all of these things that make them really great places for artists to live. One of our uh, interviewees was Jose Santiago, who was in the military, and he'd always say that he was from Pennsylvania, and people would be like, Lancaster? And he's like, no, York. <laughs> it's, it's like right there. And he's like, he, I've been all over the world, and people have heard that city, so it's been his goal to make sure that York has as much notoriety, uh, positive notoriety, as, as our sister city from across the mighty Susquehanna. You're listening to We Are Here from Keystone Edge, produced in partnership with PA Humanities which believes in putting people first. Their work champions the humanities across Pennsylvania, centering growth, equity, and community as a pathway to positive, lasting change. Learn more at pahumanities.org. So let's dig in a little bit on Dream Rights. How did the PA Sharp grant help you build out programming or change things for you? It was instrumental in for us to uh, branch out into this uh, visual art component that we're really trying to embrace. Until you really get down to the nitty gritty, a mural is very expensive, especially if you want it to be long lasting. So we wanted to have at least a 25 year life for this mural. So um, the materials for that are very expensive. We also, not only with the PA Sharp grant, which made a generous contribution for us to be able to do not only the documentary theater project, but also the mural project, but we also collaborated with the Cultural uh, Alliance here in New York, and they added an educational component to it as well. So the five artists that we had working on the mural, it was kind of like a masterclass. So we had um, brainstorming sessions and process sessions prior to us actually putting brushes on the wall. And then each of them were able to lead. The, the, what was amazing about this project is these artists are so uniquely different that you wouldn't believe that five different artists collaborated on this mural because it came together so nicely and they complemented each other so much. And it was because of these workshop sessions that they had out there. And it was outside too. So we literally had people coming up off the street and engaging with the artists as they were working and sharing different techniques, dry brush techniques and, and different styles and ways to go about it. And it's the first time that the Cultural Alliance did something that was for working artists rather than for either really young people or really old people. We're trying to find something that actually lifted up the community and uh, created a stronger connection amongst the wonderful visual artists that we have here in the city. Mm. That ties into my next question. This is for JJ. Why is this stuff important? You're talking about all these amazing programs and ways to get people engaged and people get to tell their stories. People get to engage with art. Why is this a value in a community? What does it do for a town, for a city, for a county? Small question. I love this question. Anything that I get involved in, my, it sounds nefarious to say ulterior motive, my my motivation is the potential ripple effect. So when you're getting together and you're sharing stories and you're making, you know, beyond surface level connections with people, you can get involved in each other's work. And so, for example, I run a program called Project Nucleus, where we bring together what we call community animators. So it's by invite only. It's people who are doing things in our community. And we put them together in breakout groups with people they probably either don't know or haven't worked with before. And they have a prescribed format that they're following, but they sort of pitch their idea, whatever stage they're in with it. And then they're getting feedback 
from other people who are doers and makers, but who are outside of their typical feedback loop. For example, I was running a co-working space at the time. So one of our members was starting a business that was a B Corp, creating canned cocktails using, you know, responsibly sourced ingredients. And I knew that that CEO was very interested in sustainable agriculture. So we seated him with the incoming executive director of the Horn Farm, which is a teaching agricultural site, uh, nonprofit in New York. That was where they met. And it was very valuable for both of them to talk about their respective projects. But my biggest success coming out of that, you know, as a facilitator was knowing that six months later, he ended up on her board and was able to start working toward helping to fulfill their mission. That's kind of the underlying foundation of a lot of the programs that I run is that we use storytelling as a way for people to connect. And it's very valuable to those individuals. But then it has this community impact that's a much longer game that we're playing. So I think storytelling is a great way to really dive into those connections and and make the most of them and leverage them for broader community impact. Gregory, anything you want to add to that question? Yeah, I think uh, overall, especially the pandemic brought a lot of this out is we've lost a lot of empathy and there's nothing that can evoke empathy more than sitting in a room with a bunch of strangers listening to someone else's story. It's age old. It's never going to go away. I mean, I've, uh, I've been doing this for three decades now. And I've, I've heard time and time again, theater is dead or theater is dying. And it's just like, no, there is an innate need. And I think it even was reinforced during the pandemic of how much human connection is needed, how much we need to be around other people, how important that is. And that's just, that's just on the human level. And then if you get on the economic level, if you look at the arts, the arts, every $1 spent in the arts, $7 are spent in the community. There is a direct economic benefit from all of this as well. I mean, going to dinner in a theater, you know, is, is an age old concept. So, you know, you go out and you go and eat and then you pay for parking or, you know, you might buy something at a store before you go to the theater, or you might go out for a drink at one of our fabulous pubs that we have here after the show or something like that. So, I mean, it's just, it's so reciprocal and it is so communal that it helps on a, on a human level and then also an economic level. So last question, Look in your crystal balls. What do you see as the future of York? And, and where do you see this work taking your organizations and taking the community in the next five, 10 years? I hope that we'll just continue to strengthen that, that net. To give another example from one of my programs, I had a guy who was coming to York Story Slam pretty regularly with his family. His wife and in-laws would come along every month. And one month he showed up early while I was setting up and he's pacing and he's got sweaty palms. And I said what's going on, man? And he said, I'm going to put my name in the hat tonight. I'm going to share a, a story. And I said, well, you've been here. We, we purposely set it up. So it's not intimidating. You're, st- we don't even have a stage. You're standing here in front of people in the back room of a pub, you know, pint in hand. And he said, I know, but I've, I've not really spoken in front of people in that way. I've in, in, into a microphone, uh, in that way. So he got up, he did a great job. He came back the next month. He put his name in again he won. The competition isn't the main focus of it, but we do have a winner each month so that we're seeding our annual Grand Slam at the end of the season where we invite all the winners from the months back to compete for the title of Best Storyteller in New York in our 
you know, big downtown theater. So he won that second time. And then I said, you know, you're getting pretty good at this. Why don't you try emceeing one of the events, which is a different skill set. You have to be able to improv and react to the other people's stories. And he did great at that. And then I invited him um, a year later to participate in our Pecha Kucha Night series, which is... In contrast to the open mic nature of York Story Slam, it's highly curated. There's a coaching process, very different thing. And he did great at that too and came up afterwards and said, you know, participating in these programs over the last year and a half or whatever has really changed things for me in a way I don't think you've really seen, but I left this soul-sucking job. Um, he's a graphic designer and a really creative person. I, I left this job without another job lined up so that I could start my own business. I don't think I would have had the confidence or the skills to do that without having participated in these programs. And, and I think of our programs as, you know, edutainment uh, in a lot of cases, but I have to remind myself that this is a big deal for people at an individual level. Um, we had someone who participated in virtual slams uh, when we were shut down during the pandemic. Uh, he won one of those. He came back, competed in our Grand Slam that was live streamed because we were still not not gathering together. He passed away last year and his uh, wife contacted us and said, this really meant a lot to him. He would tell everyone he met that he had, you know, participated in and won this story slam. And I looked up his obituary. He, the obituary was, you know, very short and he had mentioned story slam twice in it. So, it really means a lot to people on an individual level. And I think, you know, if I don't lose sight of that and can help with this work to develop individuals, that only bodes well for the community and strengthening that net of support and safety and empathy and community on a broader thing. So we're, we're trying to do it one person at a time, I think, yeah, in a way. Great. Tough to follow that up, JJ. That's a great story. <laughs> what I would say is I'm always blown away by the philanthropic nature of the people here in York. This this building wouldn't exist without that. I mean, we have dedications everywhere from the lights in our ceilings to the steps up to our costume shop and our, our scenic areas. So that is always very important. And, and my only hope is that they can continue to embrace change. I think that's something that York struggles with a little bit is change. I, one of the great stories that I got during my interview process is there was this gentleman whose uncle, King Street, used to go one way going east to west. And then uh, suddenly they changed it to go the opposite way. And this one gentleman who is in, in later in life always would drive at 630 in the morning to his shop, but would still go down the wrong way on King Street. So the police would actually meet him there every morning and drive him that way so there would be no accident. So there's something beautiful about that and something also we can learn from that, yeah, is to allow people to change at the time that they need to, but also to realize that change is important and necessary for evolution and to expand and to grow, which York continuously does. And I, and I would see that happening in the next five to 10 years. That's it for this installment of We Are Here. If you have thoughts on the conversation you just heard or ideas for what we should cover in upcoming episodes, please visit our website, keystoneedge.com or reach out to us via our social channels at Keystone Edge on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time. Funding for We Are Here comes from PA Humanities and its federal partner, the National Endowment for the Humanities, as part of the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021. 